Welcome to Unnamed in Lights, the stories of successful Australians working in the arts, behind the scenes and on the world stage. Our first guest is professional dancer and choreographer, Anna Singleton, also known as Robot Girl. This hip hop specialist runs her own dance company in Melbourne, Australia, and she has worked overseas with pop icon Madonna. Hear about how she reached this career pinnacle, the highs and lows, and how to stay creative during periods of the industry being shut down. I caught up with Anna in between lockdowns and asked her about one thing we have in common, being former students from the same high school. First of all, Anna, you, you went to school in this area of Melbourne, so what role did St Columbus play in your dance path that you followed? St Columbus played a huge role in my dance upbringing. Um, prior to attending that school, I had no dance experience whatsoever, so I didn't attend like any dance school. I wasn't really affiliated to any friends that did dancing, but I knew that St Columbus was the place to go to for that dance experience. So. Uh, I could have gone to the other local school, we won't say their name, um, but I really want to go to St Columbus purely for the dance aspect and it wasn't until year eight that we could do it as a private dance component that I had to then beg my parents for two weeks to actually let me go ahead and do that. Mm. There was a period of time where mum and dad were like, no, it's not going to happen and if it wasn't for my auntie to kick in and it's a long story, but basically I had to like um, clean her house and wash her car inside and out once a term. We had an agreement um, in order to, I guess, earn the ability for her to pay for my term fees, which back then was $55, which was quite expensive at that time. So, um, yeah, St. Columbus was the place that uh, enabled me to, I guess, get an understanding of how dance was constructed. Um, I mean, I consider it like a military dance camp that we did. Um, but I loved every bit of it. Um, it's I really enjoyed discipline and not necessarily being screamed at, but um, just understanding that we were striving for something and to and to work hard. Um, everyone has a different, um, I think, opinion or um, a reflection of that period of time. But it was a time that um, yeah, I really thrived in. Um, and you know, for for myself, um, I. Uh, as I had like no dance experience prior to that, um, it was one of those things where, you know, it was my first, I guess, participation where you kind of had a sense of like a hierarchy of dancers, you know, at that point, favorites or sister of a sister. And, you know, you, and you saw people that just had like uh, ba a ballet and jazz technique and all sorts of, you know, experience. And it really did kind of put you in a box of, I'm not at that standard or I can never kind of strive to aim for where they're striving in terms of, I guess, like placement or acknowledgement within that setting. So, um, yeah, over the years, you could just drop off private dance, but I still just loved it regardless. So it was something that I really um, continued to do. And, uh, yeah, in year 11, I choreographed a duo with my friend and it was the day that I still consider the day that my life changed because um, Linda Henderson, the dance teacher there, was all of a sudden saying to me she wanted me to do year 12 dance she wanted me to choreograph the year 12 dance it was just like yeah it was such a huge acknowledgement and I remember um everyone at that time I mean I feel like it's like a fairy tale in your head what you kind of tell yourself <laughs> but um yeah. we're just like wow I didn't know you could dance like that and it was just it was just like such a um um pivotal moment in terms of how I felt inside was actually being um described by other people so it wasn't just all in my head that I loved dance and I could feel something yep. unique and special in me it was other people that were also like hey like that was cool 
Okay, and well, you, you probably answered my other question, which was, is there a certain moment that you thought, this is it, I want to do this professionally, but it sounds like that choreography that you pulled off at school, that was, that was it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was it. I feel like um, I was still brought into a world that was, at that particular time, um, hip-hop wasn't uh, hugely uh, popular, especially at, at my school. Well, there was only a few of us that were considered like into gangster music and then the rest were into, um, I'm not going to say emo grunge was, I think, the trend at a various point. Um, so, no, I still had this belief that, because I, I have no flexibility whatsoever, and that if I didn't have any like ballet technique that you would never amount to anything or never make it. So I sort of still continued to see it as a, as a hobby. And even as I started to continue to teach, opportunities come up for me to teach um, dance, I still would, when everyone would describe, say to me, well, what else do you do? You know, what are you doing with yourself? Dance would be the last thing I would mention because I didn't feel that I had the right to even say that I was a dancer. It yeah. took a long time for me to, you know, own myself and own what I do because at that point at, during my generation it was just ballet 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 mm. and, and so you did go on and do, do a degree what did you study as a sort of backup yeah I did a bachelor of media and communications uh, because I wanted to participate in in some sort of course that I guess could kind of allow me to be involved in television or um, the entertainment um, world to some degree. Uh, my course was heavily about uh, radio, so I ended up kind of hitting that and became interested in uh, music and sound production, mm. which didn't end up being a course that I followed, but it's really assisted me to be able to edit my own music for everything that I now coordinate. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that worked out okay. Uh, and look, you clearly did find your groove when you had the chance to work with Madonna how did that all come about and going overseas for that work yeah that was crazy so um there was a competition that happened in uh Sydney for her hard candy fitness launch and there also used to be a hard candy fitness based in Sydney so it was a competition for all dancers to be able to enter um, except one of the rules was you had to be a New South Wales resident so I had heaps of people contact me and say, Anna, you need to drop everything and fly to New South Wales. Now, I'm a bit of a rule follower. And I was like, well, it says that it's New South Wales residents only. Like, I can't. So because of the, um, because I'm such a fan and people knew that, people are like, you're crazy if you just don't take this opportunity. Mm. Called the Sydney um, office and they're like, oh, if you're willing to fly here, yeah, we're not fast, that's fine. Mm. Even called them back the day that I was leaving. Yep, that's fine. So then... Um, at the audition itself, they kept mentioning the rules and they kept saying, and you must be a New South Wales resident. And I was like, this is very sweet of them. They're just letting me go through this process. I've got no chance. Mm -hmm. um, and because I had that mentality of, this is just like some sweet way of like, you know, having me be involved, but then not really considering me at all. It wasn't until I hit the the final round with there's only three of us and I was like oh I'm actually being considered I, d I didn't yeah. realize this so it was actually quite liberating because I wasn't so nervous and suddenly then I was in a situation of fighting for my life through the audition process yeah, yeah and then um I got accepted to to fly to um Toronto in Canada um seven days later so that was yeah such a crazy um eye-opener um there was five of us chosen around the world to be flown there so that in itself was like yeah. so crazy yeah. and um even just the dance community in melbourne just so many people were just like so lovely and just saying you know i'm so happy for you and you don't yeah. often get that in the entertainment world like not there's not too many pats on the backs um 
so yeah that was really um, exciting as well yeah. so yeah it, it was a very surreal uh, situation like it was a it was a massive launch they had major media there they had a red carpet and we were training with her people yeah. and they were incredibly um, giving and generous with their time and with what they had to say and so for myself mm-hmm. that was my first time of um, experiencing people that you know are in a major industry in the mm-hmm. states being uh, people being lovely people and um, mm-hmm. I've always been told and this is the thing you always kind of get told well, that's just the way the world is or that's just the way it goes so you kind of think oh cutthroat like everyone's out for themselves so it's nice to come across people that make you go no you can actually be a really nice person yeah. you know and yeah, um totally. and and being really encouraging for people yeah. so yeah so when madonna like stepped into the room it was just like so intensely crazy because there were yeah. also 20 canadians in there so it wasn't just five of us there's five of us around the world but then 25 of us in that space so and did yeah. you get to talk to madonna uh, uh no she we were told we were not allowed to step in front of a line there was a, a line taped down and that we weren't to speak to her but she came into the room full of energy and came up towards us and we could kind of crowd around her and she spoke to us being her okay. usual self that yeah. is still very much her um of how she presents herself i should say like yeah. in, in mainstream media yeah, so you didn't chat one on one, but no. she certainly was influential. Yeah, in she was right there. Well, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were like huddled all around her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to repeat what she said, but no, no. <laughs> we'll keep that private. That's okay. And um, yeah, look at it. Just goes to show, if you don't ask, then you, you never know. With that whole competition, you could have just let that go, but you you pushed and made it happen. Yeah, and I only pushed because I was encouraged to do so. I'm not that person to necessarily jump off the cliff and go. I've got nothing to lose um that would make me a Sagittarian um (laughs) um so I I really have to thank all the people to go just you just go for it because I also had work scheduled at multiple dance locations that day um and I had a gig that night so I cancelled my dance um teaching that day which I am a person feels immensely bad for and then I managed to like race back to the airport and make it in time for the gig that I had to perform at that evening so it was kind of this crazy whirlwind of you know kind of making decisions for yourself but also having to handle a whole heap of other um jobs that were lined up for you that day and was that gig back in melbourne was it yes it was yeah so i flew to sydney in the morning and i was back on a plane i think at uh 4 30 p.m that afternoon yeah full on and then um look turning to your the legacy co your dance company what's the philosophy and what's it all about yeah well i created the legacy and co after a turbulent year for myself and I think I feel like I keep having this reoccurring pattern that I'm not one to like step into um, these shoes of just you know making something happen for myself unless I I feel like there's no a no choice situation like people telling me to go fly to Sydney or um, a circumstance where I just kind of realized that I really need to um, stand on my own two feet in terms of what I represented um, as a value uh, my own values with our, within our industry. Yeah. So I started the Legacy and Curry because I wanted to create a setting for uh, an all-age mix of dancers who just love hip-hop dance and also a setting where they could be a part of it but also feel like they could be part of other dance opportunities. Um, I've just, as, as I mentioned um, earlier, I don't come from the dance school world setting, so um, it's quite an interesting and unique setting and there's a variety of personalities, but one thing that I haven't sort of liked in that setting is this idea that, you know, obviously dance members become family, 
um, and you know you go through a lot but a, a dancer's journey is um, very much their own personal unique journey and they don't belong to anyone and you you assist them and you train them but you don't own them and so I wanted to create a setting where people could still do what they love without someone saying that they couldn't yeah. and but be able to still participate in other dance um, aspects and I also believe that um, as, as a sense of community you know you could have a, a 12 year on that 12 year old in that setting or a 25 year old but yeah. um, as the right person leading that you can kind of uh, assist that setting to be of a nurturing setting in both ways it's not just so you know you're the kids and you're the adults and at that particular time I had a lo lot of young people that would just well they're still with me but like so insanely talented and it was yeah. just like how can I not provide this platform else the platform yeah. would have gone so yeah a lot of things going on at that particular time but um yeah I just keep pushing forward with the with the legacy and code to constantly be a setting that is always evolving for everyone that's involved so not just the same old same old which is another um aspect of the industry I find like we're, you know everyone's like oh I've been doing this for 20 years this is how we do things yeah. I'm like well we didn't have social media 20 years ago yeah. we didn't have mobile phones 20 years ago and it's a different generation of young people yeah. and I think because I um I'm into hip-hop dance and street dance that's constantly evolving that style at one point that was considered a fad and it's very much part of our kind of globalized dance community across the world and you have but you have to constantly evolve with that you can't just know moves from like the early 2000s you do have to know current moves else you're just not relevant to young people so I think if you have that mindset of constantly evolving and constantly learning and considering yourself forever a student then you, you have the ability to continually um, provide settings where you know you keep the kids excited. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we're going to do that this year, or that's cool, yeah. or all those sort of expressions that I always really get um, big enjoyment out of. Yeah. And, and when you see this new generation and the next talent coming through, have you got uh, hopes for the industry that there is a bright future? Yeah, well, I think the, the dancers and uh, today have just, there's so many um, platforms for them to discover dance and um, uh, push and support each other. It's not like how it used to be. You know, they get to come to class now and they get to film the dance or and practice it back in, um, back in my day. You just had your memory and you didn't even have the music. Like you just had to, I don't know, just practice yeah. mentally. Um, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's so much for them to, yeah, to actually be a leading force in terms of their ability. Like, it's so strong. Like, dancers today are, are not necessarily the dancers of um, back in the day. I, I can't speak for the jazz and ballet world. I still think that that still stands on its own two feet in terms of um, the <laughs> discipline, I think, that really kind of came with those settings, which I, I'm not going to say that there isn't discipline no. at the moment, but it is a different um, kind of generation. But... Uh, yeah, I think they can really push. I still think the industry has a long way to go, though, in terms of nurturing um, young people to understand what their future is or um, how they could shape it. And I definitely think that everyone has the ability to do that. I don't think you have to be waiting around for someone to hold your hand and create those opportunities. You have to create the opportunities yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the television show, So You Think You Can Dance. As far as I know, that's not on in Australia anymore. And I know you've mentioned that it's up to people to create their own opportunities in Australia and and make it happen for themselves. Do you think there is enough uh, available at the moment for dancers here? Well, in Melbourne, there feels like there's so much available um, to dancers. I used to be myself in another dance company, Skim Dance Company, which is mainly contemporary. Uh, we used to be like the only two that were sort of doing these act extra activities, I guess you'd say, on a Sunday. And now there's like real major competition. Everyone's like 
you know, got their rehearsals and stuff. So it means for dancers, they're really um, being mindful about what they're choosing in order to honour and um, their commitments, so to speak. So, um, but these are all things that people in our industry have decided to create themselves. Like myself, creating the legacy and grow. Skim creating Skim. Like it's, uh, it's it's new generations kind of coming through and, and deciding to make their mark. And I, I definitely think there's still a long way to go to encourage young dancers to. Um, to feel like they're receiving the mentorship, to, to know that they have the ability to create. But not everyone wants to create. Some people just want to dance as yeah. well. They just want to participate and, yeah. and choose that as their expression rather than becoming creative directors in 10 years yeah. or something. But those opportunities are still there for young people. Yeah. And, and with artists here, do you think with the pandemic, is there still movement and people travelling overseas to go seek out Opportunities, or do you think that people are going to have to stay here and kind of make it work for them? Well, what's quite crazy is I do know a number of people that have now shipped off overseas, so that sort of says that there is still work. I know that the ships, the or the um, cruise ships, and that are seeming to be back in action. I'm not too sure how, but they are. Um, so, but I definitely think that uh, dancers have to consider, yeah, what is in our own backyard. Um, to be able to push the the the, the problem that uh, Australia has is our entertainment music industry. Um, there is like a, a big music industry here, but it doesn't one that necessarily colorates uh, with uh, dance as the um, not the backup expression, but the parallel expression in terms of music videos or those type of artists. You know, we used to have like. Just trying to think of the early days, I can't think. But there used to be a period of time where we had like R and B artists as yeah. part of the ARIA charts. We don't have that, yeah. but we we do. But they're more underground. There, there's actually a, a ridiculous amount of talented, um, uh, budding artists, but they yeah. just haven't kind of hit that mainstream. Or, I mean, I can't speak for the music industry, no, but I um, think like Shakaya comes to mind, for instance, that duo, for example. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, They're saying Cinderella or something. I think so, yeah. yeah. And then Jay Wow or Jay something, Jay West. Jay West. Oh, yes, yes. I don't yes, want to yes. sing because I can't sing. But, <laughs> yeah, there was a whole era and it started to yes. get exciting again. Like, yeah, wow. That's true. Yeah. There's going to be some gigs or sort of tour yes. opportunities. And now it seems to be just reality TV shows yeah. is the opportunity. Variety shows is the opportunity to perform yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, you don't have so you think you can dance, but I guess you've got Dancing with the Stars and other programs that are floating around. Yeah, they are very different though because they are more for the um, the ballroom scene, yeah. for example. But so you think you can dance. Uh, it's a shame that this current generation doesn't have that type of show because that show was um, really crucial to um, bringing us all together across all the states. I remember it created a huge family of, of dancers and kind of got us all together. Um, and also prepare dancers for the aspect of auditioning because auditioning in front of cameras is extremely intense. And funnily enough, I just happened to watch um, the episodes that I was featured on, um, on I don't want to say, but like YouTube last yeah. night. I hope they're allowed to be up there because yeah. someone just put them up last week and I was oh, like, oh, I actually get to watch this and uh, see yeah, all yeah. these people. And Yeah, and a lot of people probably don't get to see those auditions apart from that show when it was on air. But just to give people an insight that aren't familiar like what is it like when you're there auditioning for a television show like what the, the rejections the setbacks everything about it uh auditioning for a television show is extremely intense um i auditioned two seasons in a row first season i cried on national television um which i do know to this day um it was just you know they just made decisions to make a television show but i'm not that sort of person to 
I don't know, when when the cameras are rolling and you know that there's going to be aired to Australia. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I got booted on one of the episodes. I basically didn't get to dance. So we'd rehearsed all day. Oh, and then okay. I was just like, you know, some of you are going to go today. And it's like myself and the dance partner that I had. Okay. And so that was a shock to the system because it was like, wow, we didn't even get to dance. Like, is this TV or like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the second season I came back because I wanted to come back with a different... Um, mindset because nothing can prepare you for having all these cameras and you know you're learning something but they're mm. they're um interrupting you by saying how's it going it's like when, you're, when i watch master chef you know they're <laughs> cooking and yes. it's like they've got something to do but they're like how are you going what are you cooking and the yeah. person's probably thinking bug off yes. um but yeah so i wanted to go into the second season to mm. experience like i know what these cameras feel like i i know what this setting is i don't care like i'm i'm so open to this experience if i get booted out i get booted out and then interestingly enough, when um, it, I missed out with the contemporary, as soon as I saw the contemporary, I knew I was going home. But um, uh, we got to go into this waiting area where there was just sort of food and other, I guess, booted out contestants. Yeah. And it was like a wave of relief had um, was lifted off my shoulders. And I remember think, thinking to myself, wow, even with the mindset of I they can throw anything at me. I'm so open, I'm so cool. Yep. Like I don't expect anything, each yep. day is a bonus. Yep. I, there's still this crazy immense pressure that is in your face because I think cameras are yep. rolling. And some people would really thrive in that setting and some people would feel really self-conscious yep. of that setting. Cause it's not a natural, normal no. setting. Yep. I mean, I'd be curious to know the current generation, how they would go just, you know, with social media and yeah. selfies being the thing you know what I mean putting yourself more out there yeah yeah you're right though with MasterChef it's a lot of interruptions and people probably be shocked to see behind the scenes like what it actually takes to film that kind of program oh yeah yeah, yeah. even like yeah. we're gonna do that again everyone can you please make sure right. you, you know you're laughing again <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and um how do you sort of ap- apply what you've learned and, and transfer that onto the, the the students you're teaching and trying to inspire them with what you've uh, all the knowledge you've acquired yeah, so for myself, I um, I guess I, I see myself as a mentor and a role model um, and I am more than happy to, to take that on. Some people don't like to be that. I very much um, believe when you're working with young people, you have to recognise that as a responsibility um, and having absolutely no one to mentor me when I was young and no one to say it's okay or I got your back or maybe try this or... Um, it's kind of an interesting experience to then become the mentor that was never trained to be a mentor. So you're constantly kind of finding yourself to everyone's kind of different in terms of how to be that guide. So sometimes it's it's a it's not a weird feeling, but sometimes when you know people say thank you or you know or I look up to you or I couldn't have done this without you, it's kind of at times mind blowing to myself because I'm just like. I, I am aiming to, to be that, but I'm not necessarily thinking I am that. Does that make sense? So when so when you get um, that recognition from someone young or from a parent, it's um, it's really rewarding because, you know, as with anything in life, you're kind of just taking it step by step and trying to do the best that you can. It's not like you're the best or perfect at anything, so you don't really quite know um, how you're kind of helping shape um, that dancer's experience but um, one thing I've definitely learned is to have more empathy and um, I did a leadership for um, for dancers um, online with um, people from the states in that last year uh, during lockdown and to yeah really try and lead with love language um, which is just you know just trying to be a little bit more kind of uh, I guess more positive but also um, just to kind of uh, step and 
pause and and try to understand on the person rather than like oh, that person's always late or you know all those things that can kind of uh, annoy you because you're so busy and you have so much pressure and you kind of have to take a step back to make sure that someone can feel that they're in a safe um, uh, environment with you to be able to express the things of like hey sorry I'm late or um, yeah. all, all, all those sorts of things and I feel like people can do that with me but um, even more so we, you can still give a lot more to that circumstance and as we get older you know we say we, un- we understand young people but we you know we become our own entity and you know you forget um, just how timid and shy people can be even I watched the year 12 cabaret at St Columbus and they happened to do like this little video edit um, interviewing um, the year 12 dancers for the cabaret on the video I'd like to say DVD, but it is on the video. And um, there's me. I got interviewed twice, and I'm just a nervous wreck. And it's like a real reminder of just how, like, new you are to everything. Like, everything, you're just still finding, you know, how you kind of fit or even just finding your voice, which still takes a long time, I think, to occur. Yeah, 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 definitely. I guess maybe just more so related to, you know, the... The current circumstance of the world and the in the entertainment industry, um, especially with um, uh, lockdowns happening in Melbourne, but I had a few dance schools say to me that you know they it made them realise just how the arts was just so like bottom of the list in terms of you know um, that sort of government support or even that just that understanding. You know, we we all celebrate when uh, it gets mentioned on the news the actual word yeah. dance, and we're like, oh wow, not um, barre. Like there's like it's but it it kind of gets mentioned and it doesn't get mentioned and you know so but I I've always found that interesting um because for me I've never felt that dance has been really recognised so it's been quite interesting to hear the industry be quite down and out of that actual realism like I real having a reality check about it and it makes me sad because obviously everyone's kind of you know being you know running their own businesses and you know what comes with that but then having like this kind of wider spread I guess national opinion as being quite um soul destroying for a lot of people um whereas unfortunately but fortunately for me as ballet wasn't my thing I already had to deal with the feelings of um you know of not feeling good enough for something so it's um it makes me sad that I feel like it's across the board mm. that that de- people that have responsibility of um, young people um, participating in dance have just got a huge reminder of just, yeah, just how um, how it's just not seen as uh, irrelevant. Yeah. And, I, and I do believe it's got to do with it being associated from a stereotypical point of view as a girl activity. Right. Um, no one sort of says that, but I definitely feel that because it seems to be community sport seems to be well and truly yeah. looked after. But you know, the the local dance class is seen as something very separate. Yeah. It's um, extremely um, yeah. organised and looked after, and very athletic and and just as physical, yeah. um, mm. and probably more stressful in terms of having yeah. to um, do a show or do a concert and what yeah. kind of comes with that. But um, yeah, and I guess the, the music theatre world maybe would agree without speaking for them, but I know they've felt a lot of left behind. You've got the Harry Potter jumper on. Yeah, it's really sad. It's it's all of us yeah. together, really. Mm-hmm. They've just been, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of brushed to the side. But it's um it's the entertainment uh, industry and world that you know, play you know provides some positivity and provides yeah. I guess escapism for people that aren't heavily involved on the actual um production side of things so um it's sort of sad that 
and during these times where people probably need it the most you know smiles on their faces that that's the one industry that has to get kind of shut down through the circumstances um and yeah not so much of a big government support in any kind of way yeah look i forgot to ask about um just going back to hard candy how did that experience overseas how did that shape your outlook as a dancer and your future trajectory yeah, well, when the um, the high candy experience happened with Madonna, I basically felt like I had che- I had achieved everything I could in life, and that from that day forth, anything that came my way, I would just be immensely grateful for because no one could have told my younger self that I was going to be in a room um, dancing with the one and only Madonna. So um, I think it boosted myself to just. I don't know, just relax a little bit more. Yeah. I think because there's always this immense pressure. That I think I personally put on myself because you kind of still got that mm-hmm. same person that kind of got told, well, you don't have flexibility or ballet technique. <laughs> You're not going to really kind of amount to much. So um, I think that kind of uh, said to myself to to believe in myself a lot more, and that yeah. you just never know what's going to happen yeah. um, the next day, and also to take chances. I'm Stephanie Corsetti. Thanks for listening. The next episode will be in a few weeks' time. And special thanks to Bernard Delacour for the opening music theme.